Hey everyone, this is Nick. Welcome to a, I guess, really heartbreaking episode. Um, so, I don't know about you guys, but I remember Top Gun. I kind of liked Top Gun. At least I thought so when I was a kid. But maybe I just like Hot Shots Part 1 and 2. Because, man, this was weird. Um, not only is it clear that the military paid for a lot of the movie, which we'll talk about, but it's really bizarrely plotless and... Uh, it's man there just aren't words um so well let, let's do some plugs really quick so myopia of course is growing and in the last few months we've gotten more downloads than ever so keep it up share uh write a review for us we need a five-star review on itunes and uh if you prove to me that you've done a five-star review i don't know maybe we'll send you something how about that uh further um, we need you to join the Facebook group and be active. We, we share a lot of movie stuff and goofy shit, so that's the place to interact with us directly. And then finally, um, if you're in the metro Atlanta area, I'll have a Cineprov show, actually more than one, in December. Uh, one is riffing a wintry movie, and one is riffing some shorts. So come out to the plaza and say hi. Um, I hope to talk to you all soon, and please enjoy Top Gun. Oh, and listen through the end this time, because we've got a little special treat that we talk about in the show, and we actually managed to pull it off. Uh, pull it off is a really, really strong word, but it's there. So, enjoy. For years, Dr. Geek has toiled in obscurity, trying to realize the future through the science of applied geekdom. Pressured to prove his theories or lose funding, Dr. Geek has now opened the doors of his amazing laboratory to public participation and public collaboration. With the help of his partner, Mr. Flask, a test subject known as Mr. Creature, and a computer called the Deus Ex Machine, Dr. Geek conducts an investigation into the world of tomorrow, creating the future by discussing it. Do you want me to turn down the oxygen in the labyrinth? Oh boy, the things I get to do for science! That's not a good sound. And why is this sticky? Join the discussion at www.drgeeklab.com Welcome to my OP Defend Your Childhood. This week we watched Top Gun 1986, the origin story for the character Archer. I'm Nick Hoffman, editor of Dude Letter, host of my OP Defend Your Childhood and Riffer on Cineprov. And on panel we have... Matthew W. Quinn, author of The Thing in the Woods and editor and chief writer of The World According to Quinn. Better. Jeremy. <laughs> Playlist maker for toddlers. And <laughs> Hello, this is Daniel and my call sign is Eject. Premature ejaculation. <laughs> um, yeah, that, yeah, that's how Goose dies. Premature ejection. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hell, I'm pretty sure. Oh, man. I, that, that just reminds me of, like, uh, what movie were they doing? Dancing in the Streets or something that reminds kids. It's just, like, kids who don't know how sex works, like, you do it wrong, you can die. Just he prematurely ejects and breaks his neck. Mm. Uh, we've all had ex-girlfriends like that. Anyway, so um, this is the 1980s super gay coke movie. That was meant to be a recruitment tool for the Navy. That apparently uh, the military slash government helped subsidize pay for. So. Thank you, Republicans. Well, please. I'm giving all the credit to... Uh, Ronald Reagan here because I'm sure it's the first time since mm. what World War II that the government is making propaganda films. I mean, mm. he was a Hollywood guy. It makes sense he'd reach out to him. Man. Yeah. Anyway, so Jerry Bruckheimer took all the cocaine and said, "What about planes?" And then they <laughs> made this movie. How uh, did How did Bruckheimer survive and Don Simpson ended up dying? 
because Down life was pretty fat because life's not fair. I was going to say it's the um, Harry Carey thing where sometimes people can drink themselves to death and sometimes people can drink and still be on broadcast for another 30 years, man. Hi, somebody get me a shot. <laughs> it's a triple play because <laughs> uh, I did all the cocaine. <laughs> I tried to be Gary Busey there. I don't think it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing I your joke. It was funny. I'm stealing your joke stick. <laughs> so here, um, Jer, Jeremy, you don't do mm-hmm. these plot summaries. You were barely. <laughs> you want to do the plot summary? It's been a while, Jeremy. I uh, I get. This is a weird movie to do a plot summary. I know. That's it's, why it, it's very similar to the classic movie Hot Shots. <laughs> Oh, I wish we had watched Hot Shots instead. Mm. Did we watch Hot Shots? Not for the podcast. Must just watch it here for fun. Part one or part two? Part one. Oh, I, do is so much. Better. I like do myself. We watched part two in a satire class. Although I think I only own part one, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the parody of this movie. And part two is really more of a Rambo, Rambo. Yeah. Which that movie is also, I think, partially paid for by the Reagan administration. Rambo. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so, Daniel, you want to give us your plot synopsis? Uh, well, there's planes. They go zoom. And, um, uh... Are there trains and automobiles? No, just planes. Yeah. All right, all right. There's this guy named Maverick who... And that's Tom Cruise and his teeth. And he's called Maverick because he plays by his own rules. Because it's that kind of movie. Anyway, he gets selected to go to this elite um, uh, fighter pilot training class called Top Gun. And it's all about uh, his trials. Located in Fightertown, USA. Yes. It's about his trials and tribulations there, pretty much. That's all I got. I mean, that's really the plot. Just tri- trials and tribulations made me think of the book Tom Brown's School Days, only in F-14s. Mm. Yeah, no, no, that would make sense. Um, and you guys, if you, you, you've seen this. In fact, you've seen clips making fun of it. You've seen it. It's one of the most parodied films of the 1980s, and it kind of brings in that whole era of like sat, of like parody films that you're thinking it of. It parodies itself because its script is so terrible, but it takes itself so seriously. It's also the gayest film you've ever seen. Oh, like, oh John Waters well, wishes. Well, until 300 comes along. Well, yes, 300 John, is the gayest masturbatory effect you've ever yeah. seen. Oh, John Waters wishes he had made this film. John Waters couldn't make it this gay, I don't think. <laughs> can, can you imagine Divine as Maverick and John <laughs> Waters as Top Gun? You're just too crazy, Maverick. You're we just... got Migs on our tails. I know, I'll throw shit on him. <laughs> <laughs> and eat it, too. Oh, my God. Oh, we got a puker here. <coughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, my God. Jerry Bruckheimer, man. Okay, um, so we should step through this. It starts off with Principal Strickland yelling at Maverick for being so much of a maverick. A guy named Cooper freaks out. He was the one who should have been going. To uh, Top Gun. They're both stationed on an, on an aircraft carrier, and they go to uh, chase down some MiGs. And that's where the scene with the uh, upside-down plane and the middle finger of the Polaroid comes in. And in fact, if I remember correctly, this is a prequel to Star Trek because they're on the USS Enterprise. That's... True, yeah, it's not no. a joke. They filmed on it. Um, but it's not a very funny joke. It's it's not a very funny truth either. No. Sometimes the truth isn't funny. So like the fact that tells me. That like the uh, fact that Top Gun exists. It's the truth, but it's not funny. Yeah. Uh, so when uh, what's his name freaks out, Cooper freaks out. Yeah. That's a really shitty call sign. Everyone else has cool nicknames and he's Cooper. That's hanging. Um he Cougar. Cougar? cougar. It was cougar. cougar. Yeah, it was cougar. He has sex with young boys. <laughs> <laughs> so does everyone in this well, movie. Well, this is the Navy. <laughs> I'm going to let that in just hang Navy. out there. In the Navy. Da, 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 da. So, um, it's at this point uh, that, what's his name, when Cooper freaks out because he's got a kid he's never seen, man, and he's losing his shit. Yeah, well, what was the whole thing with Cougar about, anyway? I think he had, he like, a panic it. attack or something. Yeah, he breaks down because he had never been in a real dangerous situation, it seemed like. And then... are, are, are you saying that Cougar had never been to the danger zone before? <laughs> Apparently not. As the sound cue tells us. That's one. <laughs> Let's see how many more we got. 
This the soundtrack, man. It's just something else. Oh man. Well, that's the funny thing. They they never play a song. They'll play like the same opening bars to the same song multiple times. Maybe maybe, maybe this was sort of fair use thing, or they couldn't get all the rights to it, so they just of they were made, they, they were did. written, they were written for, this for the movie. song movie. That was a joke. But like the thing is, they play the hook. And so the hook for Danger Zone, the hook for Take My Breath Away, and the Satriani Top Gun theme is yeah. all you hear this entire... And playing with the boys. You hear playing with the boys in full. The only other thing which we'll get to is one of the worst and most cartoonishly bad scenes ever um, in a bar. Uh, but oh. essentially, after Coop, uh, Cougar freaks out, um, they leave. And so uh, Maverick and Goose, uh, Tom... Cruz and what's the actor's name? Who plays Anthony Cruz? Edwards? Anthony Edwards yeah. get accepted into Top Gun as they're nominated because these other two guys freak out. Fine. Well, yeah. that what about Tim Robbins? Because he was, you know, uh, Cougar's wingman. Shouldn't he have gone? Mm-hmm. He dies off screen. Ah, no. Until the end when he miraculously. <laughs> he 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 was wounded. Um, and then he walks again. He has a B story that's much more interesting. I hear he crawled through a tunnel of shit 300 meters long. Just shy of half a mile. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... Um, <laughs> We're seeing how many better movies we can list. Like, <laughs> just all these movies we Is wished we had watched. Is this the Bruckheimer movie? No, Ooh, that's, Ooh, that's there's, deep. There's a lot of bad ones. That's, that's deep, dude. Yeah. It's funny because, like... When I mean, I was one. This is one of those movies that might be perfect for the podcast, even though it's. I don't know how was Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> well, I mean, we're having a hard time get into it, but I must have seen bits of this movie a hundred times. I've probably seen the whole thing at least a dozen. Yeah, because it was just on all the time. Yeah, I, this was the second time I've seen. It. The first time I saw it, I was in college. We were studying abroad in Great Britain, and someone had the DVD, and we don't have anything else to do that night. So that was about two thousand six. I uh, saw it when I was a lot younger, like middle school, and uh, I that was the only time I'd seen it, and I still like remembered everything about it because you know it was easy to predict where it was going. But well, there are cool effects in it. He also produced the uh, Prince of Persia movie. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh! You know what I just saw? Ooh! You want to guess what the sequel is going to be called? Top Gun. Top Gun Two. Top Gunner. Er. <laughs> Top Gun colon Maverick. Oh. Uh, <laughs> don't say colon. I will say he's produced some good things, like Beverly Hills Cop, which I oh, love. He, uh, produced... And Con Air and The Rock. That's 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 top Coke levels, right? Oh, he produced Thief, the uh, James Conn movie. That and, was good. Uh, Enemy of the State, that's when he's done. Oh, oh, and of course the classic, Coyote Ugly. What about Kangaroo Jack? That wasn't it. That, that was, was him. him. That was absolutely him. That was him? Yep. And Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh my God, that was him. And Black and uh, Bad Boys Two, Black Hawk Down, yeah. and Remember the Titans, and Gone in sixty seconds. I think is also a stay tuned. Uh oh, Pearl Harbor. Oh god. Oh god. He just sucked the military dry, didn't he? Because he also did Black Hawk Down. He did. Yeah, he did Crimson Tide, which is also paid for by the military. I, that was a better movie than this. By Crimson a Tide was a better movie than this. Bad Boys Three and Bad Boys Four. Bad Boys Four has already been announced. Oh. National Treasure 3 has been announced. But the second Bad Boys was terrible. And uh, Enemy of the State, the TV show, has been announced. Right. Enemy of the State TV show. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop 4 and The Amazing Race TV show he produced. And, and Pirates of the Caribbean 6. So he's going to be like just bathing in cocaine for the next six years. Wow, so many sequels. Oh, he doesn't need to be creative. He's in Hollywood. It looks like his jaw has been dissolved, but never mind, I'm done. <laughs> Maybe it has been dissolved. So he gets to Top Gun, and he just immediately starts being a cock-ass again. Um, this is where we meet Val Kilmer, who is Iceman, and yeah. his... Who is the number one at the school. And uh, his co-pilot, whose name I forget, or is whatever. Goose? No, no, no. Um, <laughs> oh, Iceman's co-pilot. Uh, Vi- no, Viper, Jester, Cougar, I don't know. Jester's Michael Ironside. No, I thought he was... Slider. Oh. It's Slider. Rick Rossovich. Who is a beefcake? There's a lot of beefcakes in this with mustaches who are constantly sweating. <laughs> I thought the whole sweating thing ended in the 70s when they could make silent air conditioners, but this is like more coked out than like uh, a William Freakin movie. Like, this is like New York in the summer, and Jack is just doing coke off of everything. This is amazing. 
It was the 80s. They, like, paid producers in cocaine. It was simpler that way. I mean, that's why Leguizamo chose pot when he was uh, narrating Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He just needed something to take him back down off that edge. Or uh, Larroquette. John Larroquette. Anyway, so Mike Now Meyer, I want to see a version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre narrated by John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start reciting Spawn lines if I could remember them. Uh, no one can. Same with Luigi from Super Mario Brothers. He just did a lot of crap. He might be the only person who still has a poster of that movie up in his room. Um, so we have Tom Skerritt, who is the um, the uh, like the, the the professor, the guy in charge of the Top Gun school, who turns into some kind of a mentor for no reason. It's uh, his mustache. That mustache dash just exudes authority. Uh, there's like a teacher named uh, played by Michael Ironside named Jester who's in there sometimes with all of his scars everywhere and Terry and then we meet uh, Charlie played by Kelly McGillis who is uh, who was in one other movie besides this and then disappeared. Yes, having to make out with Tom Cruise turned her into a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't the scene where she had to wash herself in front of Harrison Ford that did it. It was Top Gun. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, they're like the same. They're like within six months of each other. That'll scar someone pretty bad. <laughs> you know, in the film that he just sat there drinking whiskey the whole time watching. <laughs> That's the one where he becomes Amish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought the point of it was that he didn't. That either she'd have to leave or he'd have to stay, and neither was going to do that, so well, he it could never only, be together. He was only there because that little Amish boy was a witness to a murder he was investigating. So Yeah. Also, I was referencing the fact that Harrison Ford's just kind of a creepy, gruff guy who drinks a lot. Yeah. And, like, in real life. That's what happened when he punched uh, Ryan Gosling in the face or whatever. Yep. Just, like, brought him a whiskey, and he says, suck it up, and then walked away. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I mean, that's what you get when you have a guy who works with his hands his whole life have to deal around actors. Anywho's it's um so they get to Top Gun, um, and they just start dicking around. I mean, this movie has no plot. Yeah, no, there, right. there are so yeah. many second there's so much second unit footage of like planes taking off. That's seriously like about a quarter of the movie. Yeah, there. that's something. Yeah, I appreciate a good war movie like anyone else if, if, if even though it's really in a war movie. But so much, as you point out, B-roll of just planes flying around. The whole opening mm -hmm. montage is a bunch of planes taking off aircraft carriers. It would so, have been far more appropriate if they had just reused the stock footage from Dr. Strangelove over the opening credits instead of what, what they were using here. That's when those two planes were um, uh, refueling, Matt, and it made it look like the planes were copulating. I'm, I'm just enjoying you explaining this. <laughs> Thank you. You're you're welcome. I mean, but like you were saying, like this is a recruitment film. Yeah. Right. Like it's if you had instead of playing uh, Satriani, it was just be all that you can be. It's the same footage. Yeah. It literally just b roll over itself, man. Uh, anyway, it turns into a police academy movie for a bit, where there's a bunch of them in the dorms, like getting yelled at about doing things and robot house. <laughs> And Maverick buzzes the tower, which is something he's wont to do, apparently. And the guy spills coffee on himself, and he goes, get me some butts. He's <laughs> so just asking for butts. Yeah, apparently he's been in the Air Navy pilot corps for a long time, and he's still a, a lieutenant because he's just a massive troublemaker. And he likes butts. Or, or is that the other guy? Well, that would explain the volleyball scene. I would explain the volleyball scene. We should just dance around. After they're there for about six hours, they decide to go for drinks. And they go to a bar... Uh, in their dress whites uh, yep. to pick up lady types and this is when we meet Charlie the first time but uh, Kelly McGillis is just there being casual and on a date with an old guy who gives her a book because he's a loser um, meanwhile Tom Cruise comes up and decides that she's lost that love and feeling giving a book to a woman on a date that not that like the opening of the cook the thief his wife and her lover that I'm, would have been so much better had <laughs> Kelly McGillis eaten Tom Cruise at the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. If like we think we're, it'd be better if it was the same movie except for it, like a small diversion. Like the whole first act is the same. They go to the bar and then it just turns into a cannibal movie. Yes. Yes. 
oh, and then Goose is looking for him instead of that tragic scene where we're introduced to his entire family and like lines like, I just can't wait till he retires and we're together forever and the kid's wearing his hat and mustache. Oh, is that the Great Balls of Fire scene? Yeah, it's, oh, it's boy. rough. And, Nobody um, in this movie can sing, but they want to keep doing it. It's it's even it's comically bad how yeah. bad Tom Cruise is. It's, may, oh, maybe that's the point. I don't think it's this bad. On, I think everyone's just so charmed by his giant teeth that they <laughs> they forget that he can't do anything well. Well, I well, I mean, this is also the scene that we alluded to earlier, where he picks up uh, Kelly McGillis at the bar with "You've Lost That Loving Feeling," and somehow everybody in the Navy knows that song, and uh, I guess they've been rehearsing with their acapella team or something because they get right on that. And they, they all join in, and she's flattered instead of annoyed. Yeah. How, how, how is she not calling the cops on this dude and, like, throwing her drink at him? Okay. May- I, have, I have a game for you. Okay. Uh, you know how in IMDb, when you look at movies on the right-hand side, mm-hmm. it tells you lists that this movie appears on? Yes. This guy, I'm not going to tell you anything. Matt's already looking. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> they didn't get a good look at it. This guy has a list called My Favorite Movies. Okay. And Top Gun is number eight on this list mm. as his favorite movies ever. What what cinematic gems could possibly top Top Gun? I want I want you to guess what movies are in the top fifteen. Or I mean, there's there's twenty five on this list. I want you to just guess. What just movies. start throwing mo- random movies out. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you two guesses. Okay. Um, I'm gonna guess. Uh, is Crim- Ghostbusters on there? The original one or the remake? The original. The original one. Let's see. I didn't see it, so I'm going to go ahead and guess no. But no, it is not. It is not. That's Ooh. a good guess. I'm going to go, my first guess is uh, Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide is not, my friends. You're not thinking Mike Trashy enough. Oh. Joe Dirt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the I'm, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, it is not. I got it. I got it. Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. <laughs> no. What? Oh, man. Oh, man. I am just... So we have um, Goodfellas, Fight Club on here, Forrest Gump on here, three of the Fast and the Furious movies on here. Oh. Is it? Is wait, it, wait, wait, which ones? <laughs> I was Good for, question. Six, seven, and eight. But well, six oh, is, number five is the best. Come on. <laughs> Forrest Gump, Blues Brothers. I mean, he. it's not that it's bad choices, but to have this in your top eight, the, I mean, the Avengers and the Avengers 2 and Troy round out the top ten. Wow. Troy. Troy, the, one mo- the movie where Sean Bean doesn't die. Um, and the Wanderers and the Warriors are in the top ten. That, that, that's what it is. This is just this a is sign. so weird. How is this, this is someone who thinks they know what good movies are, and then they they just don't get it though. So they don't understand. Number one is Green Street Hooligans, two thousand and five. <laughs> that's exactly right. Starring Elijah Wood and Mark Warren. Ugh, gross, 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 gross. All of this is gross. I feel dirty looking at stuff like this. Hollywood's most patriotic movies. Uh, it's on there. Most surprising film in the National Film Registry. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's yeah. yeah. Well, I would argue that this is culturally significant. It's just poorly a poor representation of that culture. Well, I mean, and the other thing is, this is kind of one of those films you watch and then you realize, oh, a lot of people use this kind of flight footage. Because when I saw it, I immediately thought of things like Independence Day when they're flying through things. Hell, even like when they when they touched up the Star Wars movies in the late two nineties, right? When yep. they're you know, they're reshooting some of those scenes and adding the CGI. It looks a lot more like this than it did any of that World War II footage anymore. Yeah, even though that wouldn't make sense in space. No, not even a little bit. Um, anyway, so this movie is hugely successful. When Jeremy looked it up, it made, what, 450 Yeah, adjusted for inflation, it's made over a hun- uh, $400 million off a budget of about thirty-five. Well, and again, the federal government apparently paid for most of it, so that's a huge profit for Jerry Bruckheimer's coat closet. Mm-hmm. Um a coat closet's pretty good sounding. As a thing, not something I'd be a fan of. <laughs> I sweat too much as it is. But uh, anyway, so after they... S- well, she, it turns out she's like the... Uh, uh, PhD in astrophysics. Or something. She's like the uh, MIGS expert that Top Gun's Is, is that better or worse than uh, Denise Richards, the nuclear physicist? She's well, a better actor. 
I think well, the character yeah. actually seems to know her subject. She talks about MIGs and their how they. The, and how they function, how to fight them. Well, but the whole well, you thing know is that's she, not actually her knowing that stuff. She's just but, but, reading lines. Right? <laughs> well, yes, but the, did, did Christmas Jones in that Bond movie actually talk about physics at all? No. Well, she, well she's a bomb defusal person. She's a nuclear physicist. I mean, it, let, let's back up. This is a worse script or a better script? Wow, which is a worse script? Probably this, this one. This one. This one. Yeah. Because some of the dialogue is just bad in this one. I feel one. the need. The, the need for speed. speed. <laughs> the, that's iconic. The uh, line about um the was her speech to Maverick. So is after. love means never having to say you're sorry. Can I, can I so does <laughs> sentence, please. Um, the 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 um the um however the line where she talked about she didn't publicly agree with him and their discussion about big stuff because because I've fallen for you like who actually talks like that is anybody no not anybody that wants to get doesn't want to get maced this movie is not written by people who interact with people well what else did this guy write you would pull that up oh my god this guy has written an incredible amount of movies uh, Jim Cash is his name oh and he wrote Anaconda which we've done uh, he wrote Dick Tracy, which we're going to do at some point, I'm sure. He wrote the sequel to the Flintstones movie, Flintstone Viva Rock Vegas, Turner and Hooch, and The Secret to My Success, which is the Michael J. Fox movie. He has eight writing credits, and one of them is his first one is Top Gun. Oh, wow. That, that's his career. Now he's done. He never has to work again, but he wrote the sequel for Anacondas anyway. All right. Yeah, that's it. Um... So after it turns out that he uh, is trying to make the moves on an astrophysicist who thinks he's something, I guess. Uh, he's like arguing with her about her knowledge of Miggs being wrong because of uh, the experience he had in the opening scene. And he uh, it involves the joke being that they eventually flip her off, which yeah. isn't really a joke. No, it's something that happens, ma'am. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So... That's all I got. What happens? Uh, he just spends most of the movie being a complete jerk. We have a shirtless scene where they're doing beach volleyball. He uh, goes on a date with her later, and uh, what, he's late somehow? Because correcting people and yelling at them somehow makes women's panties just drop. Mm-hmm. And yeah. asking to take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's that scene afterwards where uh, it turns out um, after his buzz by the tower, she labeled him in his file as a reckless flyer or something. So he gets mad or something. Somebody help me out. What what was going on in that scene? I mean, he and then. Well, it's that. And then it's they look at her, his files of how he actually deals with the MIGs. And um, she says, you're right. You were reckless and you were wrong. And that was at like a debriefing. It was like at a lecture or something. And so he gets his so butt hurt and he runs off. You know, yeah, and then she chases after him in her car, nearly causing an accident. You know what would have helped him in that scene? Some auditing. <laughs> God damn it. This is so like here's Use the, the Dianetics, Tom. <laughs> Use the uh, uh this is a fucking Thetans joke. I don't even care, man. L. Ron Hubbard was a chased asshole. I I, I don't get him. <laughs> Was he still? He was dead by this point, right? By the time they made this movie, eighty six. So I believe that, so. Who it, is this? L. Ron, Ron Hubbard. I'm not sure. Uh, it was right around here. Yeah, he lived forever because he's a mm. the, the, the deal no. with the devil. That was part of the deal, I suppose. You start your own relig no pseudo religion, and you live forever. He apparently died in 86, so he probably was alive during filming and then died. He missed he seeing this movie get released. That he, must have been so upsetting. I was going to say he was alive for Days of Thunder, but that came out afterwards, too. <laughs> Miscavige saw it. Miscavige oh. was there day one. <laughs> Looking at that fresh-faced Maverick and it's like, going, this kid that doesn't play by the rules, we need him. The most, I guess, the most successful uh, sci-fi writer in human history. As much like that scene at the end of Phantom Menace, you see Palpatine talking to young Anakin. You'll we'll be watching your career with great interest. And <laughs> Miscavige talking to young Tom Cruise, same way. Except talking to John Travolta, being like, "You should make a movie based on Battlefield Earth." <laughs> Except in that a scenario, Miscavige actually is the only 
person on the planet that has to look up at Tom Cruise when he's talking to him. <laughs> Speak, speaking of which, um, uh, and somebody can give me the specifics if they want, Tom Cruise is like on a ladder in every single scene he's, he's in throughout this movie. human being who's ever lived. And it's, not, it's, it's, it's more and more clear when he's making out with what's her name. Oh, yeah. Because like when he's trying to kill, and he literally slides his tongue through those greasy lips into her mouth yeah. like some sort of parasite. To be fair, that was a backlit scene, so that might not have actually been them. You couldn't. I couldn't tell. I don't know. That nose is pretty distinct. Okay. But I was gonna say, like, he doesn't come up to her shoulders when they're making out. No. It's amazing. Well, in every other scene, though, uh, you know, he's like towering over her. But you're right. During that one bit, well, I mean, they they put him elbow to elbow with uh, Anthony Edwards, and Anthony Edwards must be a foot taller than him in real life. Oh, and uh, the. Strickland, the um, uh, his commander on the ship, is like a foot shorter than him somehow. <laughs> they, they have him in the scene when they're dressing him down. They have him bend over to walk around the table and then sit on his desk so he can look up at Tom Cruise. Like, it is the most awkward oh, mise-en-scene I've ever seen. Oh my god, that's where I know him from. Um, Goose is uh, Gilbert from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh. Now that's the thing I know. That movie about rape. I have never <laughs> that seen... That came out two years before this. I have never seen Revenge of the Nerds, so. That's funny, <laughs> but it's really about rape. Um, anyway, so about another kind of rape. Now, uh, anyway... You mean when he follows her into the ladies' room? Yeah, that's so creepy. Oh, yeah. that's not that, That's not. That's cool. a move that would never work on no. anyone, even Tom Cruise. Especially these days. I mean, let's be I, honest. I, I after, do... after the couch jumping. <laughs> that was about ten years ago. That was. No, time flies and you're having fun. <laughs> when you're Tom Cruise just doing all the things. He needs a success. That movie this earlier this year was a flop, man. What? Uh, the Mummy? The Mummy. Yeah. Um, so we leave the bar after he sings at her. He finds a date. God, we're jumping all... This movie jumps all over. Who cares? Well, yeah, it's just so Turns hard Turns out that remember. it's in a high school gymnasium or wherever this bar is. It's and so hard to just determine what's happening in what order. And the scenes go on forever. This movie is an hour, uh, hour about 15. two hours, yeah. And you could cut 25 minutes out super easy. This That's, is rough. That volleyball scene needed to go. Yeah, other than making him late for the um, his date, which he shouldn't even be having in the first place because she's an instructor and he's a student. And what and was we, purpose and, did it serve? And uh, it's made quite clear at least four times. She doesn't date students. She just bones them and leaves them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so, the Black Widow of Top Gun. Yeah, so I mean, you're not even, you, you stand up somebody who you're not even supposed to be on a date with in the first place. I mean, come on, dude. This won an ASCAP movie award, music award, rather. This oh, is boy. So, it won a Japanese Academy Award? For what? Best foreign language film. Oh, <laughs> oh Japan. <laughs> So the government bought an Academy Award for Best Song and, two, and Best Movie in Another Country. You know, the song it won for, I think um, uh, it broke up the band that made it because... Really? It's good. <laughs> it also won a Brit Award for Best Soundtrack, Golden Screen Award in Germany, and a Grammy Award for Best Soundtrack. I don't really know if I hate the soundtrack necessarily. I mean, it's a very white soundtrack, but I mean, besides that... It's fine. Well, I can't really complain with the soundtrack. As I auditioned for a high school play, I used Danger Zone as my audition song. Did you get Please tell me yes. there is video of that. Oh, my God. Please. Hey, I got into the play. It worked. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, my God. Okay. So, you guys who listen to this, unlike Matt, you know that I play songs over the beginning and the end. I kind of want to record you playing Rock Band to Danger Zone and have that be the end credits song. Oh my god. Oh, is it on Rock Band? It is on Rock Band and I own it. Oh. It suddenly just became the best 99 cents I ever spent. Oh, that's going to be perfect right oh there. God. If not if he, if he doesn't want to do it, I will do it and we'll know by the time this the soundtrack ends. So brace yourself for that. <laughs> uh, brace yourself for when the beat hits you. Dip trip flip fantasia. Do, what? Do, 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 oh. but I can only do, think of two do. songs though that were actually in the movie. I mean, well, Danger Zone was in it. The Take My Breath Away was in it, and, and uh, both were like in it five times. Well, and uh, the the Righteous Brothers were in it. Yeah, at the end credits, and then um, the Satriani, the do 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 do. Oh, that was Satriani. That's just Satriani. Okay. I know, because when I was in 
that age in like high school and early college where I was pretending like I understood how music worked before I really understood that what music was I knew who Joe Satriani was he's, uh, he's a good musician well he's a hell of a guitarist he just doesn't deserve anything else the Miami Sound Machine and Loverboy are on the soundtrack <laughs> of course oh wait a minute wait a minute according to the is wiki, it not Satriani according to the wiki it's Steve Stevens Steve Stevens really yeah gross <laughs> I hate this song forever now well, it's a good thing you corrected me because someone would on Twitter otherwise. He also made the soundtrack for Speed, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Big. Who's Steve Stevens? Oh yeah, he was Billy Idol's guitarist for forever. Yeah, okay. Here he is throwing hook'em horns up. See, look at that, isn't that cute? <laughs> With Jerry Cantrell. All right, so we all learned something today. Nick was wrong. It's okay. Well, I can handle it. You should read what people write about me on Twitter. Speaking of the movie and people being wrong, we get to the devastation uh, character arc scene where uh, Goose gets his neck snapped after the uh, yeah after too many gravities hit him or something. Apparently, that was a problem with the early design of the F-14 was that it would engines could go out if something like that happened, and the rear guy would get his head snapped on the metal bar of the canopy if ejecting is this one of those projects that they tried to scrap but we couldn't or you know i don't know the details there's something that was a but you're gonna say early design flaw of the f-14 you were gonna say it was an early design flaw of the f-14 and that was a plot device it just kept being used as a plot device in movies in the 80s I remember, but but like you know, we were joking about it being a recruiting thing. Like I totally remember the F-14 Tomcat being just a thing that I knew about when I was like a kid, and I don't know why, and that really upsets me now. <laughs> oh God, I, I'm too tall to be in, in the Air Force anyway, so it doesn't really matter to me. Well, I mean, somehow uh, Tim Robbins got into the Air Force and the universe of this movie. Also, according <laughs> to true. this movie, we're at war with Russia by the end of it. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, so. Uh, Let's just fast forward. Who gives a shit? Uh, there's only 712 of these planes ever made, and we see four of them explode, so who knows? But, sorry. The movie ends with, uh, I guess, the second act? Third, I don't even know how this movie's structured. The end of Top Gun, the movie, happens when they graduate. Tom Cruise is still bummed out because he killed Goose, even though he's been cleared he of cleared. it. Um, he attained the status of clear. Yes. He was cleared. Um, I will say, the weird thing about it is this movie has a timeline, but we don't know what it is. Because Goose dies, then he sulks around, and people have, like, he's in the showers after flying, and people are like, you should really let this go. Five minutes after his, presumably, the person he trusts with his life every day dies. Oh, yeah, and Tom Skerritt even is in there talking about, like, how I saw ten men die in Nam or something. I was in the water and the sharks got all of them and only one man came out. And it really does sound like Cotton Hill talking about how he killed fitty men. <laughs> anyway, and uh, he's cleared and then apparently the next day is graduation and he's just okay and he graduates anyway. And uh, oh, he, he doesn't get his name on the plaque, which was a big deal apparently. The only people who get their names on the plaque are the top graduates. Mm -hmm. And that goes to Iceman and Russian Pedophile, uh, whatever his name is, Slider, <laughs> uh, which sounds like a sex position he uses all the time. Um, Any who's it? At that point, um, several people, including Maverick, Iceman, and Slider, get orders. Yep. And they are shipped back to the same starting position. It's literally full circle. They go back to the USS Enterprise in the Indian Ocean to engage, um, I don't know. Uh, what are they doing there? It's probably South Yemen. They were a Soviet client state in the region at the time. So it's it probably something that little mini war we had in the 80s with Gaddafi that no one really remembers. Okay. That, that's I mean, why that's, so, that makes sense. Yeah, it would not be an uplifting movie if the movie ends with a Soviet submarine firing a cruise missile at the carrier and blowing it to bits. Well, I mean, but, like, you're not wrong, because, like, this is also the golden era of, like, Tom Clancy and, like, The Hunt for Red October. And, oh, like, Tom Clancy, I, he listened to the soundtrack every night to help him fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, we didn't do this movie, but Sean Connery's Russian accent. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he does have the best hair, though. Anyway, moving on. Um, the the Indian Ocean thing happens. They engage some Russian MiGs. Um, 
and there's five of them because they fly so close in formation, and apparently the F-14 has really shitty radar, which Matt checked. It's true. Um, the the F-14 actually has, oh, the yeah, the, the, the idea of you flying close together to disguise your numbers, I feel I need to make a Star Wars joke about now. Oh, go this, for this, it. Please, the, sand, the sand people march in single file. Yeah. So, you know, the Soviets fly in single file to conceal their numbers. And the they, they spoof the F-14's radar and shoot down a couple of them. Yeah, they're, they're flying in tight formations of four, I think, and then it turns out that there are five MiGs and four Tomcats. Mm, say tight formation mm. again. Think of, the, think, of, think of beach volleyball and <laughs> me and the boys. Um... Thank you. <laughs> Laughter from behind. Um, which is another call sign, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Butt giggles. Um, oh, that if, whoever got that call sign would have been like the worst pilot in the world or something. Oh, no, it's Taco Tuesday and I'm flying with butt giggles. <laughs> um, I got a MIG on my radar. Um, um, it's kind of hard to see back here. No. Oh, geez. <laughs> um... Anywho's it's end of the day. Tom well, he tries to disengage at first, which is a big thing where they think he's chickening out like uh, Cougar Cooper did or Cougar. Uh, but we learned nothing is less manly than in Vietnam when we had to pull out. So he pulls right back in and starts fucking with some commies. Yep. Um, and then firing four of his eight or eight of his four missiles twice through, he manages to blow up all the bad guys with the same footage each time <laughs> from yep. the exact same missile log from the exact same fox position. It is just amazing how much, you know, I the second unit director should have gotten co-director status for this thing. I would have loved it. Like at this point, they just hoped you were so filled with patriotism you weren't paying attention. <laughs> like I half expected like Uncle Sam to be saluting with a giant erection, like coming in from like camera right, just like my. God, these boys are protecting America. <laughs> dun, 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 an American. Um, so Tom Cruise lands. Him and Val Kilmer kind of first base it a little bit and hug each other in the most broy way ever. And mm-hmm. goes you. Uh, and that's kind of our movie, man. Oh, we missed the um, a bit earlier where they're in the locker room and uh, Val Kilmer <laughs> starts air biting him. <laughs> I don't even know what the kid. <laughs> Yeah, the microphone. No, that was, that was basically... <laughs> um, and, like, they're just in towels sweating. <laughs> like, it's a sweat room, but it's not. It's a shower room. Yeah. And, and like, they're just posing against poles and benches. And it's... it's what kind of poles are we talking about here? Both. Yeah. This is literally the oh, gayest film no, I've there, ever there seen. No, there's a scene in the shower room where there's a gentleman wearing a towel, and he's manspreading like crazy. Well, and the thing is... He's it's, testing the durability of that towel. Oh, it's holding on for dear life, thank <laughs> God. It took four takes because he kept showing brain. <laughs> I was but what I was what I was gonna say though is like this isn't even John Waters like Faye. This isn't fun. This is just aggressive homo. This is like homosocial behavior. This is like I'm yeah I'm stronger than you, so I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. This is prison behavior. It's weird. It made me very uncomfortable throughout most of this movie, man. Well, that and thank God though, um, uh, well. Speaking of the discomfort, it's not, it doesn't actually end with uh, uh, Iceman and um, uh, Maverick because you're right. I don't know what was going on with them, but it ends with uh, Kelly McGillis coming up with that jukebox in that random bar. Yeah, this ain't no gay film. Like, that's literally <laughs> the end of this. Yeah. And it must be weeks later because you don't get deployed for oh, six minutes. Can you imagine how brave this movie would have been if it actually had been about a gay relationship in the Navy? Oh my Navy? god, if they made out? This oh, is when yeah. Reagan still wasn't acknowledging AIDS a- even though his yeah. best friend had died of it the year before. Exactly. <laughs> this is rough. Anyway, uh, so it ends that with... That would have been such a brave film. <laughs> Bruckheimer's not brave, man. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, he's getting blown the entire movie. Anyway, uh, it ends with uh, You Lost That Loving Feeling. And planes flying off sug- suggestively into the middle distance, and that's that's our movie, man. Um, our movie. Final thoughts, Daniel. Go with you. Um, I don't know. It was sweaty. 
It was a very sweaty movie. I don't know. It was just so overdone. The script was terrible. I didn't feel anything for any of the people involved with this. It basically was, like you were saying, a uh, 1940s era propaganda film to get everybody to go and buy war bonds. There was no point to it. And I can just think of so many other ways they could have done this and actually made a connection with people. But no. All right, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm pretty much echoing what Daniel said. There's, I mean, no one, no human person talks like the way they do in the movie. Um, the aerial photography is great. I mean, the plane scenes are genuinely thrilling, but that's literally all this movie has going for it. So just watch those scenes and that's it. Excellent. Thank you. Um, okay. I, I, the dialogue was bad. The... Um they keep reusing the same military combat footage or test pilot footage that looks different from the stuff that's actually filmed with the actors in terms of film quality. I mean, just it, just watch a documentary about some about care about aircraft carriers or the Gulf War or something, if and you probably get the same enjoyment, if not more. Thank you. My God, my thoughts are all over the place, and I know it's because it's me, and I can't be concise ever. I'm writing a dissertation, guys. I just don't do it. Uh, but I was going to say, first of all, I want to say this movie is, seen, is believing because it's everyone references it. It's amazingly, some of it's extremely well done. And if you haven't seen this, it's so culturally representative of the 1980s. I can't even believe it. My other thought is it's proof that if you sell yourself out to the government right away, you can have a career. Because if this is a guy's first movie and it had this big of a budget, he just sold his soul and then had a career for the next 20 years. So good on him. I can't... This movie is... And it explains it, right? The bad writing, the bad pacing, the bad everything. It's a guy's first movie that the government... He's just a government shill who made it for Reagan. I'm surprised that it was a guy and not like Vincent Adult Man walking in and <laughs> saying, I got a movie about planes. I will say the only tragic part about this movie is I used to think it was so cool that the F-14s and F-16s dogfought like this. This era's far gone. We don't dogfight at all anymore. It's all drones and it's all guided missiles that are launched from boats hundreds of miles away. Yeah, someone actually, I think they wanted to use real combat footage in the movie. And it's a gauge from so far away using missiles that if they're getting that close to each other, that something's gone wrong or they run out of missiles and not having to shoot each other with cannon. Right. And like they reference Vietnam, but even by 86, this was almost out of date. And like they said... This makes it seem like you can just get an F-14. Like, that everyone just is... There's only 714 of these ever made. Barely anyone... And we saw four of them explode in this movie. Like, it just goes to show that this is all a big movie. It's it's a lie. It's not real. So, it's kind of an interesting piece to look back on because it's so far gone. Like, if you look at the deck of some of these aircraft carriers now, most of them are bomb-carrying drones. There, there are planes still yeah. there, but a lot of it is drones, so... You know, look at the past. This is what we thought the military would look like. But don't forget, this is set in, quote, present day, guys. So there you go. You've listened to the second season of Serial, right? About Bo Bergdahl? Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the things that uh, I think they said about him was he was expecting his service to be like Top Gun, you know, where he'd be an action hero. And then it wasn't that. So he got frustrated. Yeah. And then he went to. Not enough volleyball. Yeah. Not enough volleyball. Not enough vaguely gay volleyball. <laughs> just to point out, um, uh, we're not saying that it's a bad thing that it's so homoerotic. It's just so weird. Well, because it's... If I, they had fucked each other, it would have been less gay than what's in the movie. <laughs> yes. No, this is like the most sexually repressed gay stuff that has ever been. And considering this was paid for by the army, it just... That's it's kind of funny. Kind of. I mean, it, it don't is. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would have been in it. No, no, that was. This was before. Don't ask, don't tell. Right. Yeah, don't ask, don't tell was Clinton. That's right. Uh, so that's ninety three, I think. More or less. <sighs> gross. All this is gross, man. This movie has just disappointed me. Uh, it's just so sweaty. All of you, just everybody in this movie needs to just go take a shower. Everyone in this movie needs to share. That's that's good. Don't give them ideas. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, well, we are kind of out of time, guys. Um, so, um, as has been traditional, um, our next movie is the... I'll give you a hint, like I've been doing. Uh, it's the first time Macaulay Culkin teamed up with Christopher Lloyd. Um, so tune in next week and every future week when we put another piece of your past on trial. Thanks, guys.
and we're out. Myopia Defender Childhood is a member of the ESO Network and produced by Do Letter Podcasting. It is hosted by Nick Hoffman. It is edited by Nick Hoffman and Candace Burns. Theme song is Caroline by The Serenaders, and their music is available on Amazon. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And tune in next week when we put another little piece of your past on trial. Thanks! Ripping up your engine, listen to her howl and roar. Metal under tension, begging you to touch and go. Highway to the danger zone. Right into the danger zone. Heading into twilight, spreading out a Tonight. She got you jumping off the deck, shoving in overdrive. Highway to the danger zone. I'm gonna take, take you right, right into the danger zone. You'll never say hello to you until you get it on the red Never know what you can do until you get it up as high as you, you can, can go. Is always where I burn to be. The further on the edge, the higher the intensity. Highway to the danger zone. Gonna take you right into the danger zone. Highway to Take your ride.